This episode might not be in Spanish, but it's brought to you by my latest freebie for the Spanish-speaking audience of the show. If you speak Spanish, check this out. Te regalo mis siete estrategias judías para construir riqueza. Sí, lo que muchos han practicado durante años, y yo también practico. Descárgalas en jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash riqueza. Now let's go to that awesome episode. Jewish Latin Princess, episode 135, Sarah Farzam, founder and CEO of Bilingual Birdies. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show and Shana Tova. I hope your Rosh Hashanah was meaningful and joyous despite the interesting and unusual circumstances that we find ourselves in. If you're subscribed to my newsletter, you may have read a funny story about my prayers this Rosh Hashanah and God answering my prayers. Listen, um, I don't know, go read it. But actually, funny enough, there's such a downpour here in Texas as there's flooding actually, which I feel it's like a sign of the amazing things that are coming to us this year. I mean, I'm so optimistic. I came out of this Rosh Hashanah so, so optimistic. And yeah, they say, you know, well, of course, the only way to go from here is up, right? Which, you know, there's truth to that. But all sarcasm aside, I do think this is going to be an epic year. That's just my feeling. Call me an optimist. But anyhow, so I'm in a really, the, all that to say that I'm in a really good mood. And because of that, I want you all to know that I'm offering a New Year's gift to everybody based on actually some of your private messages that I've been receiving over the past few days. What I'm doing is I'm extending the exclusive discount that I usually give my Jewish money makeover participants for private money coaching to everyone just for the month of Tishrei. So what that means is the following. I usually take a handful of clients a year. Some come from, from my, my program, Jewish Money Makeover, either in Spanish or in English. And some are just part of my audience who've reached out and decide to work with me one-on-one. And usually my Jewish Money Makeover students, those participants get an exclusive rate for private coaching when they graduate from the program. And so since I'm in the mood of gifting, I decided that during the month of Tishrei, this month, for anybody who enrolls this month, you will be receiving the exclusive Money Makeover rate. So if you sign up for private money coaching during the month, you will get that exclusive rate, which is a pretty steep discount. It's like, it's 50% of the regular price, basically. So if you think you want to take it up a notch with your finances this year, you know you have to get stronger, you know you need the accountability because despite knowing what you should be doing, you're not doing it, you need also somebody to break down the steps for you, get you on a process on a system so that you can actually meet your goals and your objectives and not stall anymore and break get that get down to the nitty-gritty of what's behind you stalling the mindset and get over that basically then you probably need one-on-one coaching so what i would recommend is just go over to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash coaching and check it out there and so that you could grab this exclusive deal again just for the month of tishrei but accessible to everyone. So that's pretty exciting because I actually love one-on-one coaching. And so I'm very excited about that. And speaking of gifts and exciting gifts, I want to share some a review with you because as you know, every week I'm picking an iTunes review and offering a 20-minute call with you, which is really nice. I've had a few of those. And so today's review is really just a, a gift. I mean, it's absolutely lovely. She says, love this podcast. By the way, I figured out who it is. It's so cute. She's been on the show. No, she hasn't been on the show. She will be on the show. But she, here's what she said. I've been interviewed on almost every major international and TV show, every, every major international and national TV show from Fox to CBS, Good Morning America and HLN. And never have I had such an amazing experience as I did with Yael. She sees, hears and feels what is beneath the story and is second to none in her presence, ability to make her guests comfortable and compassionate at heart that is felt through the screen. 
Then she continues, after listening to Yael's other episodes, I could not be, it could not be more clear. Invest your time in her podcast. The value would be, will be a hundred times the time spent. That is so sweet. N underscore gold, you're too kind. And I have a feeling you're listener, you're listening because I know you're a listener. So you know where to find me. I look forward to catching up with you. And to everybody else, please drop these reviews and I will certainly highlight you and we can sit and have a call to chat. I would really, really love it. And speaking of things that I love and things that are fun, well, I love my fun guest today. She is a lot of fun and she's one clever lady. She's a savvy entrepreneur. I have the founder and CEO of Bilingual Birdies on the show, Sarah Farzam. Now, Sarah did not start up with like some leg up in business. She was a teacher moonlighting to make ends meet with an idea that she really believed in. She really believed in this and she had the grit to go all in on that idea. She bootstrapped, she heard her audience, she listened to them, what their needs were, and she learned how to become a businesswoman and so much more. Now, Bilingual Birdies is a foreign language and live music program for children up to age six and up with operations across 21 cities in the US, Canada, and Australia. They The programs teach Spanish, French, Mandarin, and, and English as a second language through live music, movement, dance, puppetry, and theater-based games. And so her business model has evolved over the years, as you'll soon hear. And most recently, she's launched a licensing program that actually might be of interest to some of you, through which she now manages to share the gift of entrepreneurship to, with others during these changing business and economic times and climate. So Sarah began this company, Bilingual Birdies, over 12 years ago because she was passionate and she really wanted to encourage cl- cross-cultural awareness through foreign language and live music. And so she created this fabulous curriculum that is now, as I said, around the globe. And really, really, she's been featured on Forbes, New York Times, and so many other media publications. She's delightful. So here is the wonderful Sarah Farzam. Farzam, welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. It's so great to have you on the show. Hola, hola. Thank you for having me. We could have this conversation in Spanish. Wouldn't that be fun? (laughs) (laughs) But we're not going to. But Sarah, I bragged about you a little bit in the introduction, but you are the founder of Bilingual Birdies, a foreign language program that teaches language and multiculturalism to preschoolers, early childhood age, right? Kids through music and puppets and song and, and just in a really fun, lively way way. So you managed to bring together your background in education and your the multicultural background that you had from growing up. We'll, we'll soon hear about that to create some a, a company that now is reaching, I think, something like 21 cities across the globe. So why don't we start with that? What was that beginning seed of an idea for bilingual birdies. How was this all conceived? Yes. Okay. So basically, I grew up in a very multicultural home. Uh, My mom is from Mexico and my dad is from Iran and we're Jewish. So I grew up, you know, with some mainly Farsi and English were the languages of my home because um, my mom and my dad actually lived in Tehran together for many years in the 70s. And my mom learned Farsi and, you know, she was with my dad's family. And so it's pretty cool that um, we we had the language of communication in our home was Farsi and English, right? Amazing. And then my mom would sing to me in Spanish when I was a little girl. So I definitely had a foundation um, through music, which is pretty cool. And, um, and where, where are you growing up? I grew up in LA. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. from California. So I was, yeah. And I basically would um, just, you know, like hear songs like those Los Elefantes <laughs> and those like Los Pollitos <laughs> and all those songs that we all know and loved so much when I was a little girl. And um, that really set the foundation for my Spanish, which I got stronger later in life. But, you know, I, I grew up in a home where every Friday night, I mean, we had a big party for Shabbat and we had, you know, Iranians that would sing songs and, you know, read poetry. And my dad would always tell jokes. And it was basically like a variety show every Friday. So <laughs> mm-hmm. a lot of food from different, you know, parts of the world, of course. Um, we definitely ate very well, thanks to my mom. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of joy and celebration around 
around language and culture uh, when I was growing up. So, you know, that, I think that when you have an early introduction to learning a second language or a third language, it, it's it's so important, right? Because you're, you're able to sort of embrace that diversity and have a positive, you know, vibe around it so that later in life, of course, it can click when, when needed. Later in life, I moved to Mexico City after college to live and work there. And that's really when my Spanish became strong and it clicked for me and I was able to become fluent in the language mm-hmm. and become trilingual. So those were sort of the beginning steps. But later I moved to New York and that's such an international city, of course, where diversity flourishes. And I started to get the idea there because I noticed there were so many children everywhere. And, um, you know, uh, they were taking so many different classes, right? Like art class and dance class and cooking and music. So I went to a music class once with my nieces. I have twin nieces. My brother lives in New York, too. And I thought it was okay. It's in English and they're learning, you know, different songs. But I thought if you put language there, then it becomes educational entertainment, right? right? So I really pulled from the inspiration that I had in my childhood in my home with just so much celebration around language and culture to develop the bilingual birdies program, Mm -hmm. which of course, you know, started with my twin nieces and one other little girl, (laughs) I passed out (laughs) 5000 flyers and parks and playgrounds. This was pre Instagram, like Facebook was just getting started. I was 24 years old, just like got this idea. I'm like, Oh, you know, I went and found a dance studio to rent space by the hour from them in Soho. And uh, the first day after passing out 5000 flyers, only one little girl showed up. And I was like, Oh, my God, I thought I'm starting a business. Like, what is this, you know, but you know, 13 years later, we're in 21 cities across the US, Canada and Australia. And we teach 1000s of children per week, we have a licensing program where you can start your own bilingual birdies business, which I'll tell you more about. But yes, it all sort of began with just this dream, you know, so so there's the seed of the idea, you're in New York City, you're just 24, you're you have a day job at this point, while you're trying to pass out flyers in the evening? (laughs) How is this working? (laughs) Yes. So I moved to New York and I was uh, teaching in a high school. Uh-huh. And so I was a teacher, but I wasn't making enough money to sort of survive. So I was a teacher slash working in a restaurant. Uh-huh. Um, like I would work all day in the school and then all night in this restaurant. Uh, and then I sort of saved up enough like, like tips and things like that, like tip money. And then I stopped working in the school because that like... I was working around the clock and I just continued for a short time in the restaurant. And that's when I realized like, okay, I'm, I'm, I have, I'm educated. I come from an amazing family. I have a lot of, you know, um, things to contribute to society. And I just was like, let me look around and see what's missing. I want to do create something that's very inspiring where children can celebrate their diversity. So that's when I got the idea. And of course, you know, I told my mom and she was like, you have to do this. We're really? going to find a way, <laughs> you know, oh, good yeah, for she her. Was really the one good who propelled me. Yeah, for sure. Amazing. And I love what you said. Let me see what's missing, right? Like, how can I have such an amazing, you said it so beautifully. I have such an amazing background. I have so much to offer. What is missing? How am I going to serve? Where is that space where the world is needing something that I can deliver? And then you just, you start, did you start talking to moms when you were taking your nieces out and kind of getting that feel? It was, like you said, before Facebook groups, right? So, yes, it was analog version, right? Very, very vintage way of doing things. Right. So I would basically go to the park with my nieces and I would sit on these park benches and chat with these moms who were new moms. A lot of them were very lonely. It's a new, it's a, it can be a very lonely time. Right. And so I would just talk with them, you know, like, Oh, like, so what do you do during the day? Like, how do you occupy your time with your child? And they would tell me, you know, like, well, we go to these classes. And that's when I started realizing like, those were the beginnings of my market research. Mm -hmm. Right. So I would survey these moms on the park bench. And because I'm not shy, I was able, you know, I'll talk to like a brick wall if I have to for hours, like no problem, you know, I would just strike up a conversation and ask them about their lives. And what is early childhood like for them with their children? And I'm genuinely curious, you know, I love to learn about people. So I would ask them about their families and their cultural histories and heritage. And and that's where I really got the idea like, okay, we can create cultural content for kids. And this can be a really wonderful way for them to start that journey on their early childhood education to embrace the other, right? Instead of reject so beautiful. it. So beautiful. But now we get to three students and you've put energy and savings. And what happens? Like, did you just 
feel like, what do I do next? Am I going to give up? Do I not give up? Like what, how does a transition to growth happen? Because now we know where you are today, but there's always this story of growth where the beauty and the magic is happening from, you know, the three students to the 21 cities. And there's a lot of challenges and things that come along the way. What was that like? And maybe highlight some of those moments where you were like, I think the wheels are starting to turn. I'm onto something. This is something bigger than even what I thought would be. Yes. So how much time do you have, right? (laughs) It was so hard. Um, I I think that um, I was able to fail fast, right? Mm. And I I know that so much of us love to speak about our successes. um, And I will tell you about some of them. But I also had a lot of failures along the way. And I think that we shouldn't be afraid to fail because it builds resiliency. And once you know how to power through those failures, you know, it makes you so much stronger. And I really believe we learn more from our failures than we do from our successes oftentimes. So right off the bat, you know, I I knew nothing about business when I got started. And um, yeah, I mean, I can tell you maybe the first big fail was buying instruments that were like very inexpensive and not the highest quality. And so we'd pass out these like egg shakers. And, you know, I remember one time I was sitting in a class um, teaching and there was only a couple students, you know, and there was an eight month old this little girl named Mia and she was there with her mom and they were shaking the shakers and all of a sudden I realized that she had put the shaker in her mouth and I was like oh my god because what does an eight month old do right away when they get something they they pop it into their mouth and I just start to slowly see the shaker disappear and I was like oh my god like so I I had to I had to stop everything I was like no wait Mia's about to swallow this egg shaker like oh my god you know and then the mom popped it out of her mouth and it just kind of broke and all the little pellets from the maraca like just fell everywhere and I was like oh my god this is the end of my business I'm gonna go out of business this baby's gonna be like I I thought she was gonna swallow it like what's gonna happen please God help me in this moment you know and um, my first big failure was buying inexpensive equipment so now we only buy top quality musician style instruments for the children to use you know but how did I know you learn these things along the way right Um, and also you're bootstrapping right you're just you're bootstrapping you don't have a budget for fancy equipment yeah so those kinds of stories were just like, you know, in the beginning, you don't have a lot of students, you do what you can. I remember the first time my parents came to New York to visit me when I had started, you know, like my mom is, of course, like, oh, yeah, this is great. Like, you're doing it. But my dad, he's Iranian, right? Like my dad sees dollar signs. Like, he's like, what's up? Are you making money? And I'm like, oh, I'm kind of not really, you know, and then you take, there's always a ramp up period, right? What before you start becoming profitable. So my dad had come to class and he was like, that's it. This is what it is. You put some children there, you sing some songs. How is this a business? What are you doing? Move back home like you know and I was like no dad it's gonna be great of course now he's like this is my daughter she's been on CNN she's an (laughs) entrepreneur you know she's been on New York Times you know so now it's like of course we see like all the hard work but pretty much the thing that helped me go to the next level was that I had signed up for an entrepreneurship class like a free entrepreneurship class that was from the city of New York um, from the network for teaching entrepreneurship and um, I started going to this class that I got accepted to and it was you know, I didn't have to pay anything to be there, which is good because I didn't have any money at the time. And they trained me on entrepreneurship. So I would say just as a violinist would train eight hours a day to be a professional violinist, mm-hmm. right, as musicians do, being a good businesswoman was really something I had to train in. So mm-hmm. I, I studied how to become a good businesswoman, which I really believe being a good businesswoman is an art form, you know, and um, it ended up being a business plan competition. So I wrote uh, a business plan for five years, and then I won. So that was so cool because they gave me $20,000 and space and computers and an advisory team to help me grow my business. And that was a really amazing opportunity. Um, And that's when I realized, okay, wait, so I don't have to always teach these classes. Like I could hire people to teach them and then send them out to different places and pay them and then sort of make a profit. Like that's interesting. And that's when I really, it clicked for me that this is scalable. Mm -hmm. Um, So all along, you know, I had these moments where these aha moments, like, oh, this is how you build a business okay I'm starting to figure this thing out you know but there were a lot of uh, very difficult uh 
times that I had, you know, when the 08 recession happened and everything goes down, you know, we had loads of in-home private lessons, right, mm-hmm. with people that could afford private classes. And that was sort of the first thing to go, right, like in those hard times. But then you get crafty, right? And you think of other things to do, right? So like, you're like, oh, I need marketing. Okay, well, maybe we can make a band, the Bilingual Birdies Band, and they can go around and perform. And, you know, we can do performances around the city and people will hear about us and then invite us to teach in their preschool. And then we started getting more preschool contracts because of that and, you know, um, make a partnership with the New York Public Library. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's cool. Then we have mommy and me classes at the library and, you know, people would come in and then we started doing professional developments for other early educators to teach them how to embrace diversity in the classroom using music and movement. And I think that those hard times really push you towards innovation. Mm -hmm. And if you can keep a creative mind, a playful mindset. Um, it really is a gift because you, you know, it's like if you're in a boxing ring and you're down, you know, you're down, what are you going to do? Are you just going to go home? No, you got to get up, you know, mm-hmm. you got to get up and figure this thing out. So, you know, I, I feel, so I'm half Mexican, right? And I really believe Mexican people are, have superpowers, you know, <laughs> and they're amongst some of the hard, hardest working people on the planet. So I really think I inherited this very strong work ethic, you know, from a, like a very strong, long lineage of Mexican woman, mm. um, which was an amazing thing to apply in entrepreneurship, right? I, I love so much of what you've said here. I mean, going back to the concept of, yeah, so I I just learned how to become an entrepreneur, right? Like, you know, so many times we come up with excuses. Well, I have this idea, but I'm just a teacher. I don't have a degree in accounting. I don't have a degree in finance, right? We come up with these blocks, but you were passionate about a project and you said, well, I'm going to go learn what I need to learn to make this work and make this happen. Um, I think that is so, so important. And then, like you said, these different times of crisis which we're, we could say we're probably in one now, right? Where we just learn to pivot and change that business model and adjust it accordingly and scale in different ways. So why don't we go to the, 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 what's going on now? How have you had to pivot during the current environment? Right. So we are certified in another emergency state, right? Um, This is an extremely difficult time for so many people, 40 million jobs lost, um, global pandemic, um, increased uh, racial injustice, right? Um, It's it's very uh, unprecedented, right? Mm -hmm. So what has happened for us in this time, because we normally work in person, right? We have these classes that are mommy and me in person in different places. And then we also go into preschools and we make partnerships with preschools and so we earn a living like that. Um, we quickly pivoted to offer the classes online and we've, we're very confident that we have created a really lovely online experience where children are engaged and you know it's just so wonderful to pop into a bilingual birdies class these days and see so much joy and laughter and singing and dancing and the kids are up and moving. It's definitely a very movement oriented experience so it's a lot of fun and, and they're, they're learning another language and they don't even realize it because it's just such a play based, fun, musical thing, right? Awesome. Uh, and then the other thing that we've seen at this time is we recently launched our licensing program. And so what that is, is you, if you're bilingual and you're entrepreneurial and you have a genuine love of children, you can get trained um, and certified to start your own bilingual birdies business and teach classes online to your friends and family who will sign up and earn money from home. And since COVID has happened, I have seen an increase in people signing up to launch bilingual birdies in their cities and their neck of the woods, which is also amazing because for me, you know, children... I've always been passionate about serving children since the beginning, and I still am, right? And then throughout, over the years, I started become uh, becoming very passionate about creating jobs, right? So I was like, okay, we're going to hire as many teachers as we can and create employment, right? Which is also such an amazing thing to be able to employ someone and pay them for their skill set, right? But now I'm to the point where entrepreneurship has done so much for my life and given me financial freedom and bilingual birdies has given my life so much purpose and meaning that I'm able to give the gift of entrepreneurship to someone else. So if there are other people out there who are kind of like me, you know, like looking for something to do at the time, I wanted to use my skills and things I'm passionate about, you know, like I love children and language and culture and music, you know, and education, alternative ways of learning. If that's you, and you want to earn money from home and change your career or get a side hustle going, this could be the answer for how you may be able to bring that extra revenue to your family. And um, the cool thing is that now everybody 
everybody's used to online, whether you like it or you don't, this is here to stay, right? And some people don't have other options, right? So it's kind of amazing that you could create a business from home. And and that's what we're offering. Yeah. So it's it's really cool because pre-COVID, we were charging like uh, upfront fee to get started. But now it's $0 to start and it's only $75 a month. And basically, we for that $75, we give you your own website. You get the license to do bilingual birdies in your area. We give you all the marketing materials. We train you on our methodology. We give you a business boot camp. We give you a new themed curriculum every month. We mail you a classroom kit of maracas and puppets and drums and scarves and everything that you need. And then we even have materials for the parents that sign up for your classes. So for 75 bucks a month, you can have your own business called Bilingual Birdies with Yael in Houston. That and is, money from home. That is just such a brilliant idea and such an incredible way to add value and serve other people based on what you've already created. And now people don't have to be like you passing flyers. Well, we can't really go to the park, but there's (laughs) Facebook groups and there's WhatsApp groups. And like, you know, you can build your own business pretty quickly when it's been kind of polished and handed over to you and all the kinks have been polished and there's a methodology and a system. That's that's really, really, really brilliant. So you you mentioned innovation and you're obviously an innovator. You're 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 creative. You you're flexible. You know how to change things around. But let me ask you this. Was there during this growth process till now, was there mentorship along the way other than the fact that you enrolled in this free, amazing New York City program? Because I think even yeah, I guess that's the question. Did you have mentors who kind of help you tweak those ideas or that you could bounce off ideas off of? 100%. I survived by a tribe of mentors. Mm. That is exactly how I made it. So I from the from I have certain people that came into my life and very pivotal moments. Um, you know, the first would be my parents, you know, I tell you about my mom just being so positive and encouraging me to go for it. And then also my dad, you know, like he's Iranian, right? So this and and we're Jewish. And, you know, we come from the original, you know, merchants and traders. And, you know, I grew up watching my dad negotiate at like Rite Aid, like, I'll give you this much for it. I'm like, No, dad, it's not that type of place, you know. (laughs) But this is in our blood. It's our legacy, you know. So those kinds of things always, you know, even though I didn't have a formal training, uh, you know, I didn't go to business school, I don't have an MBA or anything like that. But I, I was, exposed to a certain way of handling life that really speaks to entrepreneurship and having those qualities to kind of push forward. Um, my brother is 10 years older than me, so he definitely coached me a lot. Um, I had my first entrepreneurship teacher through that program that I took, um, this woman, Kat. She's Greek Cypriot, so she kind of looks like me a little bit, and I never really saw a woman like in a position of educating about entrepreneurship before, so that mm. was very inspiring, and I and I and she kind of speaks quickly like I do, so it was really cool to, to just have that type of role model. And then and along the way, you know, I really, I really sought these people out. I read an article about um, this woman, Shabnam Razai, who is uh, Iranian and has, uh, she creates cultural content for children, has different cartoons on TV that you can go to her website. It's called Oznaz and you can watch like Peppa Pig in Hebrew or, you know, like um, any, any cartoon in another language. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a really cool thing for children to learn. So I just cold call, like I, found her phone number and I called her and she was like, I'm in Cannes right now at like a festival. And I was like, I'm looking for a mentor. And I noticed that you're Iranian and I am too. And we sort of do the same thing. So I was wondering if we can maybe meet up for a coffee. And she was like, yeah, honey, like when I come back from France, we're going to meet up. And I was like, okay, great. And so she's been a very, very inspiring woman that has helped me a lot. And then most recently, when I moved to San Francisco, I was looking for a business coach. Mm -hmm. And there are not that many female business coaches. I really wanted to get together with someone who was a woman because you know I think that women have a different way of, of doing business right and yeah and it's like I have personal goals I want to have a family and all those things at, at some point and so it was important that I could get someone that could help me build my business in a way that would work for my life right mm-hmm. and um, I again cold call just sent an email to this woman who I found in the Bay Area and she's Armenian and and you know I, I, I Armenian descent curse teacher Koyan and she 
was like, okay, let's meet up for a coffee. And I'm like, okay, great. So we met up and I told her my whole story. And, and she said, okay, I'm going to do this for you. And I think we should take a whole day off site and go through all the opportunities and see which one is the best. And I was like, okay, a whole day off site sounds expensive. Like how much do you charge? And she was like, no, um, frankly, you can't afford me. I charge thousands of dollars a day. I'm going to do this for you for free because I know from one female entrepreneur to another, you're going to go on to do this for someone else in the future. And that's wow. the moment that I just was like, wait, what? Like, how are you going to do this for me for free? I have to pay you something. And she was like, no, honey, like I believe in you and you believe in you. And that makes all the difference. Wow. And that's when I felt time stopped. And that was really like, okay, you've been sent here from above for me. Mm -hmm. Like the whole reason why I moved to San Francisco was to meet you. And she helped me build my business, you know, and figure out this whole licensing program and launch it and get get into be a tech company, which is basically what we are now because it's all done online. Um, so yeah, I so, have one more also, yeah. a, a, a mentor that was my negotiations teacher, um, Mori Taheripour, and she's Iranian. And she has an amazing book out now called Bring Yourself, The Power of Harnessing uh, the Vulnerability to Negotiate Fearlessly. Wow. And she taught me all about how to negotiate. And I think that's a tremendously important thing for women, especially in business. Yeah, yeah, so true, which you probably have it in your blood, but but it's good to still learn it and polish it, right? Yeah, because um, right. even if it oh. comes from your Jewish Iranian roots, I think there is also like a social stigma <laughs> around like women negotiating. So it's good to break Absolutely. through those barriers, right? Let's all break through it together, please, please, here and now. Oh my gosh. I always say to my friends and to my listeners, like when you're doing this, if you're being queasy, like about negotiating or about asking for more, or but asking for what you need, like don't think about it for yourself then. If, like, if you can't, Put it, you know, like if you can wrap your head around the fact that you deserve this, then think about all the women that are coming behind you because you're paving the road for your daughter, for your niece, for and for for your sister, for everybody else. That's what my mom says. She's always like, ask for what you what you feel is is fair and what you deserve. And if you don't think that it's like you feel weird about it, think about me. Think about my mom. Think about the rest of us who didn't ask for that much. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like you're you're that when when you have an awareness of that, I think you really get that you're not just operating from a place of you you're here upholding an entire legacy yeah you know? yeah yeah which is such a great perspective to have with anything in life um that we're just a, a part of a bigger thing and we have a bigger mission to fulfill and i think you've come over the years through that realization right like there is i even heard it from the beginning there's something i could be doing that's more it's more than being in a high school classroom and just scraping by and yeah it's very it's amazing to be a teacher and don't get me wrong and it's amazing to influence high school kids but when you have that there's something irking you i think it comes from our soul right there is another way i could be serving children and mothers and parents right and look what you've done. Look how many more people have been impacted. Si hablas español y quieres aprender las 7 estrategias para construir riqueza que tanto yo como muchos hemos practicado durante miles de años, te las ofrezco gratis en jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash riqueza. Because you got really uncomfortable, really uncomfortable doing something that you weren't trained in, right? And asking people in the park and asking, cold calling, <laughs> mentoring friends. <laughs> I mean, that takes... Yes, I would agree. And that's just, yeah, I mean, and that's one person. Like, who knows what each of you, your listeners can do? I mean, you know, I think that in some weird spiritual way, uh, everything you do matters, no matter yes. how small, even if nobody sees it, even if nobody 
Instagrammed about it, even if nobody wrote an article about you about it, everything you do matters. And so when you're really putting that intention in your work, like I always tell the the people that work with me, look, anybody could go up and sing 10 songs in Spanish and just sort of fake it for the kids. But that's not what we're trying to do here at Bilingual Breeze. We're trying to change children's lives. So they really understand we need to celebrate diversity. People who speak a different language are awesome, mm. you know, and I'm here to hold the flag for children diversity mm. forever for that. You know, it's interesting because you just talked about the way you're talking to your team. So that transition from you being in the classroom to you just coaching people to be in the classroom and to be at the, to this whole thing to become a team. How, at what point does that happen? At what at what point in the journey over the 12 years do you start pulling yourself away from the classroom and letting other people and you become more the the manager and the CEO? So for me, it actually happened really early on because I realized that um, I, I am an educator and I am uh, fairly good at it, but I realized that there's pe- there are people who are way better than I am, mm. right? So when I started hiring teachers, they would come in through the door and I'd see, oh, wow, like she's really good. Like, you know, like she's, she's a singer actually. Like she knows that like, I don't really know how to sing when I started, you know, I mean, I can dance, but like the whole idea is their music and movement and puppets. And, you know, I, I'm not necessarily a performer, you know? And so I realized very early on that my role in this whole operation was going to be to build the business. And look, um, I need you and you need me. And that's just the way this thing works, right? Everybody has the value that they're bringing to the table. And now with coaching entrepreneurs, um, our bilingual birdies licensees, this has been also a very cool thing for me because one thing is to start a business, but another thing is to grow a business, right? And so because I have that experience, I, you know, I don't ever speak with people about like, oh, this is what you should do. Like, I'm telling you, like, this is what I did. I'm speaking from my experience. This mm-hmm. is how it worked out for me. So consider that and see how you may be able to apply that knowledge to your business. So it's been very cool to work with the licensees and helping them in those beginning moments of starting their business and, you know, getting it off the ground. And when they have questions and they, you know, get roadblocks, they give us a call and we help them work through it. But um, I think it's a very highly educational process. You know, you, you grow in ways that you didn't expect. Amazing. You grow, you really do grow in ways, but you have to take those risks and really put yourself out there. And also, I just want to highlight the humility, like getting, stepping up from, it's not about you, which you said, it's not letting go of the ego because when you said that I recognize there are other teachers that are way better than me and that they can do what my what my vision was actually she could execute it pretty cool she can rock that classroom better than I can <laughs> so you know it takes a lot of humility to yes, let go it's very blissful to see it yeah. does it does it's very blissful to see someone execute an idea that you had come up with you know in a tiny east village apartment <laughs> 13 years ago and and for them to it's magical you're like oh wow yes this is exactly how I wanted this to be it's so cool and then for them to even build on top of that like this is better than I thought it was going to be you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I'm going to ask you a few more questions but I want to give listeners the I guess to clarify how much if we talk about the licensing um part of the business if a, if a listener wants to do this how much money are we talking about how much could they expect to make running their own bilingual birdies business. Right. So we believe that, of course, there's no guarantees, you know, everything is how hard you're willing to hustle and what your network is like and how you're able to make the partnerships with, you know, schools and teach online and get into those, you know, private Facebook groups and promote your classes and all that stuff. So there's always a ramp up period in the beginning, you might not be making the money that you hope to be making month one or two, right. But we believe that within the first six months, you should be able to make uh, at least $1,000 a month. That's what we project. And then within the first year, you can uh, hopefully, you know, continue on that upward swing to get to about 2,500 based on your ability to push it. And everyone has a different situation. Maybe someone's like, I just want to make 500 bucks a month extra, have a little something for a side hustle for a family, you know, and they would, of course, approach the business in a different way. Mm-hmm. And then other people are like, no, this is, I'm going for this. I'm going to hire teachers. I'm going to blow it out of the park. And they will apply themselves in a different way and, of course, make more money. Right, right. And the resources are there. So it's pretty, pretty awesome. So, Sarah, we've talked about your your mom from Mexico and kind of that that hardworking culture. We talked about your Iranian father and negotiating at Rite Aid and all that stuff. So there's also the Jewish aspect to your upbringing. How does that 
fit into the mix? Was that something that was very prevalent at home or was just kind of like something in the background? Where does Judaism fall into the whole picture? Yeah, so for me, it's really been something that has enabled me to put intention in my work and think about how I want to treat other people and um, weave into uh, many aspects of my life. Uh, but the, the most important way I think it has come through in my life is uh, in celebration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I really managed to kind of take the, the essence of family togetherness and what happens around the dinner table with song and food and wine and all that good stuff to, trans, transcend, to, to kind of transfer that to the work that I do in the sense that, you know, there's a lot of joy, right? And we were celebrating life. And how wonderful is that when you're in a room full of three-year-olds and everyone's singing and dancing and having a good time, you know, be it even online today. So I, I'm very grateful to those times of celebration because, as you know, we have a holiday like every 15 minutes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I'm able to really, like, honor the different things that that it is that we're celebrating and it's allowed me to celebrate the small victories in my business and I think a lot of that came from from growing up you know culturally Jewish yeah yeah I love that it does there is there is that huge element and I'm so glad you recognized it because so many people think of Judaism in a whole different way but Judaism is to me at least about celebrating life it's about meaning it's about purpose it's about contribution and there's so much joy in it and you know what's so interesting I just noticed when you were talking about the celebrations and the holidays that our I guess celebratory experiences are so multi-sensory, <laughs> you know, like think of a Havdalah ceremony, right? After Shabbat ends and even the Passover Seder and even Friday night Shabbat, there's like candles and there's wine and there's songs. And, and this is also what you're bringing into the classroom. Like it's not a one dimension, which yeah, God's world is multi-dimensional, And so are we. And it's just, I, I see this so connection here. I love it. <laughs> so, so, so tell me, something of those, um, you know, and also what came out very strongly in your answer, it seems like for you, it's like this value system that guides you to, you know, just the way you function in the world and the way you un- interact with others. So are there any values or traditions that are particularly special and meaningful that you may have learned in your parents' home, or that you just decided as an adult to just embrace that, um, that are really meaningful and important to you? Is there one that stands out? Uh, for sure. Um, you know, Shabbat was always a, the, the thing for us you know um like and we you know every family does it in their own way but uh food (laughs) having a lot of food was always uh, a thing for friday nights and just the time to come together and you know it doesn't matter what you've got going on like you need to be at that table on friday night you know (laughs) and um on saturdays i always try and do something (laughs) yeah i always try and do something where i can really just have peace of mind Mm. and do my meditation and really be with myself and my thoughts and and you know I live close to the beach now so it's really lovely to go and be you know in nature Um, those things are really important I think that that the universe works in such mysterious ways you know and and as much as we can to carve out time to be in nature it is such an uplifting thing right for me that's really where spirituality uh, makes me feel like it's flourishing you know I know I just went to Florida and when we got to this vast ocean and we just got there by the sunset and we got to the water and there was just sunset and we looked at the horizon and we looked and I told my kids look at Hashem's wonders look at this just understand the vastness and the beauty of Hashem of God's universe it's like you know like it's such a gift and we were put here we were put here like in this beautiful place in this beautiful universe it's when you stop and become mindful of that, it's it's pretty powerful stuff. It gives you a sense of mission and purpose, and you know we gotta we gotta figure it out and find meaning in what we do. So, Sarah, what's next for 
Sarah for Zam and Bilingual Birdies. I mean, we're in the middle of a pivot. You're doing great doing that. What's next? So I believe the best is yet to come. Um, we are powering through a very difficult moment. Um, I'm excited about uh, expanding Bilingual Birdies and giving the gift of entrepreneurship to other, other oftentimes female entrepreneurs. We do have some male educators as well, but we are expanding um, rapidly. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see more and more licensees pop up in their communities and really ignite this bilingual education movement, um, which I feel is so important. So professionally, I'm very motivated to make that happen. I think there's a, there's if there was ever a time to embrace diversity, it is right now. Uh, and then me personally, I'm, I'm just excited about being alive you know growing uh at some point start a family and and you know try to do bilingual birdies with my own kids <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna do much better than i am because i still haven't told you publicly i told you privately that my kids didn't do so well in the bilingual department even though my husband's fluent in mandarin i'm fluent in spanish we should be like we should have like these ling ling little linguists walking around sadly they're not i take full blame and full responsibility oh no but you're you you know you you talk with them a little bit in Spanish, right? So you're setting the foundation. It will click for them later in life. The idea is for them to have a very positive introduction to a love of language learning, right? So right now, you do the best that you can. There's a lot going on. But, you know, over time, they will they will get it going. I'm sure of it. Please, God. Please, God. Okay, Sarah, I want to do with you what I do with every guest on the show. And this is what I call JLP fill in the blanks. This is the part of the show where I'm going to give you an open ended sentence. And you're going to finish it with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, okay. Okay, don't overthink it. Here we go. I'm Sarah Farzam, and I feel most spiritual when? When I am in nature. Mm, yeah, I'm telling you, when I went to the beach last time, a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh, I need this in my life. All right. My favorite mitzvah. Right? I know. I know. Especially water. I guess you're also a water person. You grew up in, in California, right? For sure. My favorite mitzvah or one I connect with the most is? When I do work that serves other people. We made a partnership with a preschool in Kawangwara, Kenya, which is the second largest slum in Kenya. And we raised money to take seven bilingual birdies educators there to work with the children in this two-room informal preschool called Little Ray of Hope. And we showed them what we do with children. They showed us what they do with children. And it was a really wonderful um, experience to do classes and concerts and music. And now we sponsor some of the children so that they have school uniforms and books and everything they need for their education throughout the, the years. This is so great. What a great idea. Sarah, you're full of great ideas. I want to just hang out with you and pick your brain. I mean, this is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I feel I feel that it's uh, service is a very important thing. And we all really need to kind of turn the notch up on that if we can. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't always have to be with money, but mm -hmm. you know, time, uh, whatever you can do to serve others is is extremely important, especially right now. Yeah, yeah. My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is mm, probably Shabbat nights. Yeah, mm -hmm. with my family and just having parties in the home with mm -hmm. so many vibrant human beings and kind of learning about the arts through them. Yeah. Oh, come on. The Farsi food. Oh, the Persian food. I just, I used to love, I had a really good friend in Brooklyn, um, also family, Iranian family. Oh, Shabbat by them. Oh, the food. <laughs> exactly. So I have like good. a slight obsession with like every different kind of rice that we have to offer. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Exactly. You should know I once won a rice cooking contest with a Persian family. We had in Shanghai, we had Whoa. these, yeah, we had these friends, a very cute, also Iranian family. And um, they invited my husband and I and another couple. And I don't know why, for some reason, the shtick of the night was we were all going to make the three of us were going to make the, 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 the rice. And she had already taught us how to make it. And it was a competition and I won. So that's my, I love that. that's my connection okay. to, to Persian culture okay. people. All right. Okay. I'm coming over post COVID for rice. Thank I, you. Don't, I don't know. I'm a little nervous. I don't know if I want to do it next to you, but yeah, maybe you'll be, okay, fine. We'll do it. We'll do it. All right. Something I wish I'd learned about Judaism growing up is something that I wish I learned was that it can be really a thing that works for you in your life in mm. that you're serving other communities as much as possible and 
that will serve your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Sadaka is an important, yeah. a really important thing. You yeah. know, I feel, I feel a deep connection to that. Yeah. Yeah. Which was my next question. When I give Sadaka charity, I like to give to. <laughs> uh, right now I like to give to um, organizations that are helping to reunite families at the border mm. and to help children and families that have been separated at the border. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one called Immigrant Families Together. Um, border Kindness is another one. Um, th- there's a lot going on. Um, t- COVID-affected families in the Bronx and Queens and New York and some of the schools that we work at, which a lot of those families are undocumented, mm-hmm. um, is also something that we are working to help. Um, it's just look around, see what's missing, and, and try to help if you can. Yeah, yeah. By the way, is, is Farsi still the language that you communicate with your parents or do you now talk more in Spanish with your mom how does it how does that work yeah it's a funny question both so um Spanish has has come up you know but my dad doesn't speak Spanish so mm-hmm. whenever we're talking in Spanish my dad's always like what are you guys saying mm-hmm. <laughs> are you talking about me what's going on but um now it's definitely Spanish Farsi and English so that's pretty cool very cool very cool finally I'm Sarah Farsam and today I feel most grateful for for my awareness of the things that I can't really control Mm. and um, the fact that I am able to have an awareness to be present because you know I I, so many things like you know I'm you can spin this any way you want you know there's so many stressful things happening painful things happening for so many but Mm. here in this moment if you're able to be present in the moment and review do I have health? I have health. Okay. If you don't have health at the moment, what do you have? You know, I have a roof over my head. Mm-hmm. That's extremely important. There's a lot of people that don't have that, you know, and to be able to have the awareness to celebrate the small victories, yeah. um, I think is, is something I'm really grateful for. Yeah. Sarah, you're such an inspiration. Where can we find out more about bilingual birdies? Oh, thanks. So if you have young children at home, we teach kids that are um, up to about age six. Preschool is like the hot spot. So two to five, two to six. Um, You can sign up for our classes. You go to bilingualbirdies.com forward slash Zoom and you can see what we offer there. Spanish, French and Mandarin Chinese. And then if you're entrepreneurial and you're thinking about starting your own bilingual birdies business so that you can teach kids online and earn money from home, you can go to bilingualbirdies.com forward slash license and Amazing. all the information's there. Um, and we'd love to hear from people. I love connecting with other female entrepreneurs, budding entrepreneurs who want to transform their community and, and serve children. I think it's, it's, it's the right time to be looking to do this. It definitely is. And by the way, are you guys adding Hebrew to the mix at some point? Because <laughs> you know, you know, you should know that whenever I so ask you know the we- question, <laughs> something I wish I'd learned about Judaism growing up, one of the most popular answers among my guests is better Hebrew. And I'm like, I know, whatever happened to that? That would have been cool. Yeah, <laughs> we actually started with Hebrew. We had Spanish and Hebrew classes in the beginning. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, over time, we, did, we like most of the people were going to their temples and synagogues, you know, to, to learn Hebrew. So oh, we, we didn't continue with it. But we have some original music in Hebrew. We have two albums that are uh, people can download from our website of really fun music for kids, all original music. So um, um, yeah, he was, he was fun too. There's yeah. so much out there, you know, I there's know. already so much out there that's really great. But I know. for those who are interested, they can check out on our store. We have fun music in Hebrew. Well, Sarah, you are doing an amazing job. Thank you for doing what you're doing and inspiring other women to pursue their dreams and giving them the ability to do something really cool with their life and with their time and for providing this for children and parents who are interested in their children becoming multicultural and really embracing language and diversity. I um, am in awe and I absolutely love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks to Sarah for for stopping by. You can find her on Instagram at Bilingual Birdies and you can learn more about Bilingual Birdies and launching your own Bilingual Birdies business from the comfort of your home at BilingualBirdies.com. Now, here are the takeaways. Number one, don't be afraid to fail. It builds resiliency and failures often teach you more than successes. Number two, if you don't know the business skills to implement your idea, go find who to learn them from. Don't let that stop you from going to market. Number three, get crafty and resourceful. Your idea can take different shapes and forms. Don't be scared 
to innovate and deviate as long as you stay true to your core purpose. Number four, pay it forward. If you've been given a gift, then go give that to others. Number five, surround yourself with a tribe of mentors. Don't be afraid to reach out to people you want to learn from. Number six, strive to build your business in a way that works with your personal life goals. Number seven, believe in yourself and others will believe in you. Eight, negotiate for yourself. And if that's hard for you, then think of the legacy. You're paving the way for others. Number nine, everything you do matters, even the things that are not seen on Instagram. And 10, hire people who are better than you. They can execute your idea, build upon it and improve it. Thanks for being here. I know you could be doing so many other things with your time and I so appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on iTunes so you never miss one show and leave a review and rating. It's really super easy to do on your podcast app. Once you're on the podcast page, just scroll down to the review section and voila, you can leave your review right there. I will continue to pick up review every week and share it here. And of course, if you're interested in money coaching, because you know that one-on-one is what's going to really move the needle for you, I get it, especially when it comes to money. So many people want the privacy and the handholding. So head over to jewishladsandprincess.com forward slash coaching and take advantage of the exclusive rate for the month of Tishrei. I'm here for you and I will see you here next week. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.